And now, without further ado, it's speaking of Sunday school. We've Hi, got, Sky. We've made, it, we've made it another week. Hello, Fanny. Yeah. We made it one more week. We have a special guest today. I know. That's pretty cool, right? I always like it when we bring guests to Sunday school. Here we go. Let's go. Me too. I think Kirsten did a good job. I think I, I, I'm enjoying it. Um, nice, easy vibe for a Sunday chill out with the VFFs, you know? It made me emotional. I was like, oh. I was so moved. I loved it. it was so really? Cool. Well, okay. I'm it. glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it. But today we have a special guest. Everybody, let me introduce you to Alem Orion. Alem. Oh, you can see my Alem. Hi, everyone. Uh your oh, hand <laughs> your handless your handless today what um, did i forget to bring to the stream <laughs> my hands my hand. but i love that you have your t-shirt our planet there's two because today we're gonna talk about um this is the this is the um, association is non it non-profit non-profit organization mm -hmm. you've created so i'm super excited to have you um so do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you in just a few words yeah uh i'm an actor like you i live in los angeles uh lived in new york before and that's where i uh became an i mean i was an animal rights activist already uh in israel where i grew up but when i moved to new york i got involved with animal rights groups and rekindled my animal rights activism. And that's where after about 10 years, I decided to start my own nonprofit because um, I couldn't I couldn't find my thing uh, among all the animal rights groups that existed over there. And, and they all did great work, but I wasn't whatever each one of them did wasn't really my thing. So I decided to start my own thing. Um, and yeah, I started uh, this nonprofit in 2011. And what we do a bunch of projects, but what we are mostly known for is NARD, National Animal Rights Day, which is mm -hmm. one a day of events that happens every first Sunday of June, by now in 50 countries around the world and, and growing. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. I think I think if I'm right, you have done 113 uh, National Animal Rights Day around the world. There have been 113 events. Well, we've been doing this for 13 years, but this this year we had events in on, in 150 cities. So basically, oh, 50, wow. 50 countries. It it happens simultaneously on the same day, but uh, yeah, 150 cities at the same time in 50 countries. 
Isn't it amazing? I mean, congratulations, because that's yeah. a lot of people that you've. So you said your uh, your association is organization is a bit different than the other ones. So, so what didn't you find in other organizations and that you tried to bring with yours? Um, first of all, everybody's amazing and everybody's doing great stuff. But, you know, I tried I tried the leafleting in the streets and talking to people one person at a time. I tried the shouting and, you know, uh, um, very vocal protests. I tried, uh, attended, you know, vegan uh, or human meat tray organized by PETA in Times Square in New York. Um, I did, uh, you know, video demos. I did this. I did that. I, I really tried all kinds of activism that most people do. I didn't try. I didn't do the disruptions going into a store and getting mm -hmm. arrested and all that. Mitch. But I, <laughs> I, I, I Good really... For you. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's great on its own, but I really none of them really appealed to me. None really I felt that, oh, that's my strength. You know, I'm I'm not good mm -hmm. in standing on a street corner and talking to a million people all day, and I'm not good in the, the ah, uh, very mm -hmm. vocal ones. So um even though sometimes it's great, like the ones we, we did in front of uh Jim Hansen, but you know, mm -hmm. um I, I really couldn't I so I, I volunteered for everybody, I tried everything, but I, I never felt that any of them was my thing. And then In 2010, I uh, went to the Cannes Film Festival. Do you say Cannes or Con? It depends on who you ask. But uh... <laughs> I say Cannes. You say Cannes. Cannes. I say Cannes. The way you say it is probably the correct <laughs> one. So I went to the Cannes Film Festival because uh, mm -hmm. I had a short film there. And uh, on the way back, I, I went uh, through Madrid. And I saw this amazing group standing in the street in the, in the Plaza del Sol, you know, the biggest plaza mm -hmm. in the... Uh, square in Madrid, and they were just standing in line silently, no masks on, uh, which later became a thing. Uh, and they had laptops hanging on their bodies and just stood silently and showed you slaughter and uh, factory farm footage. Uh, and that really hit me hard because I felt it's super effective. The fact that you made you could stand in front of them, make eye contact with them, it was very emotional for me. See, I'm getting a little bit even now. And I, I went to them and I told them, guys, who are you? That's amazing. I, This, this is what I want to do. I'm an actor. I'm, I'm in the media. I know the power of video. I know the power of street theater, which is what it is in a way, you know? Mm -hmm, for sure. Art. Um, can I bring this to New York? And they told me their name was Igualdad Animal or Animal Equality, which is now a very big group. Uh, at the time, they weren't ready to branch into the U.S. Um, by now, they did. And now they're in India and Italy and the U.K. and Brazil. But anyway, they, they kind of told me, you know what, but here... Here's our blessing. Go do it. Uh, do the same thing in New York. And that's what I did. I got my animal rights friends and we did these video demos. We tried to do the same thing. Laptops didn't work so much in New York. So we brought a big ass TV. That's before the mm -hmm. days of flat screen TV. We literally schlepped a big TV to Union Square <laughs> in New York. We somehow plugged it to a generator or something. And we started showing videos and again, stood in line. We had posters hanging on our bodies. Yeah. And it was effective, but we've, After a while, we felt, oh, it's a lot of effort. We did it also, in, by the way, in um, Grand Celt Central Station, Port Authority, mm -hmm. all these big hubs of transportation have right. a freedom of speech corner that by law... Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, they can allow people... I mean, you have to get a permit, but they allow anybody to speak their mind. Mm -hmm. So wow. we did it at Grand Central Station, you know, in the middle of like, busy people running. We showed slaughter footage. We did it in uh, Port Authority. We did it a few other places. So I felt, yeah, that's that's... A, That's it. That's my thing. But we're, I'm not being effective enough because we're, we're 
what 20 people see it a day and, and union square half of them were anyway there anyway like homeless people just hanging out or drunk people or i felt ah power of videos it's it's great it's amazing but we need to reach way more people with much less effort or means mm-hmm. and that's when i looked again to igualdad animal and on on december 10 which is the international animal rights day which not too many countries celebrate um they took this concept to the next level and they brought like five 500 activists to Plaza del Sol in Madrid, put them all in rows in like a grid, like a triangle uh, formation. And instead of showing videos, they have real animal, real deceased animals with them, the victims. So they, oh they showed the victims. And that again blew me away. And I said, that's it. That's what we need to do. Look, they have 400 people. They're getting so many people to see this. And it's it's much strong. It's like a video, but it's in a way much stronger. It's live theater. Yeah. yeah. That's what so, you're saying. I got I, then I, that year really quickly. I got all the heads of the groups in New York, all the animal rights groups. We did a, a historical meeting at Jiva Mukti, which is a yoga studio there. Um, and I pitched this idea to them. Let's do like Spain. Let's all of us. You know, I know in America it's a different mentality. It's very hard for people to collaborate like socialism. There's no real socialism here. Very hard mm-hmm. to collaborate like everybody for one mm-hmm. cause, right? All for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tried to get every, everybody on board, and we. People were in favor and we kind of started working towards it. And slowly, one by one, they dropped out because this didn't like that one and that one didn't like this one. But anyway, we did this event in, in the end. Me and another lady, and the two of us pulled it off. And um, that was the first start. I mean, it was so successful that we decided to kind of call it a name, National Armed Rights Day, and started the, the tradition. What we did in that event, we did have deceased animals. We did a, a opening a funeral ceremony for the billions of animals that die every year with mm-hmm. posters. Um, and in spoken word and music. And then That's we had really like a, a veg fest, like a celebration. We I, Somehow I added that element because in Spain they, they just did a protest and then they went home. But I added that element of, oh, let's also, there's reasons, there's things to celebrate. There's, we are yeah. winning slowly, slowly every year. So why not celebrate that instead of just being sad? And over in the these years, events, are you, still, are you still doing the dead animals, the holding the dead animals during those? We, we we give our cities the choice to uh, to choose if they want to do it or not. So some some of our cities, it's mostly the bigger ones like New York, London, LA, uh, some in Australia, uh, in India, no, uh, Italy. Some of them, so it's up to them. Some of them do it. It's logistically and emotionally very hard to get those animals. And right, I was going to ask about the logistics right. because I mean I don't even know where I would procure. Yeah. Me I mean, I I feel like I see dead animals all the time, right? I'm I'm always yeah. seeing. When I lived in Las Vegas, I was always it was always impressed upon me that you know every time I walk down the street late at night, there's bones in the in the gutters, and I think, wow, I'm I'm literally walking amongst the dead. There's literally bones in the street because of people eating chicken wings and throwing them on the ground, or eating ribs and just throwing them on the ground. So it's just bacchanalia, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so where do they get the dead animals? Well, Deb's asking the same question, so I'm glad I'm not alone, Deb. Yeah. Thank you. So what is the logistical hurdle that one must overcome in order to procure mm-hmm. these dead animals? Right. Uh, first, you know, I would like to say, yeah, we're surrounded by dead animals, but very rarely we see whole dead animals. Like, that's the thing. People don't see... They see animal parts. They see a piece of meat on their plate. Mm-hmm. It's com- mm-hmm. compartmentalized. They don't see the full animal. They never. Most people never see a lamb or a baby cow or a chicken or a turkey 
or uh, you know a goat in their life. No, you're absolutely pig. right. I mean, today I listened to a podcast about fish, and that once fish are processed, um, up to seventy-seven percent of fish are are passed off as species that they aren't because people don't know the difference between a red snapper yeah. and tilapia. Yeah. And I think the same mm -hmm. thing happens with chicken and other fowl. You don't know what you're eating. We we know it happens with fur, dogs and cats are often found on people's tr uh, fur trim. So yeah. once once the animal, I mean, it behooves, it behooves the industry to keep us so stupid as to not know which animal is which. It's because, so we only get to see the parts, right? We don't it, see the right. full animal hardly it's ever. It's interesting because for me personally, when I used to, when I started being vegan, going to the grocery store, the fish aisle was the hardest because the when you see... Because they're whole yeah. and you can see it's an actual animal. But when you go to the meat aisle, you don't see anything. These are little pieces of whatever. Well, you know, that's right? the thing. That's the thing. If people saw the full animal, most of them wouldn't buy that stuff. If they mm -hmm. saw a baby pig lying there or a, a lamb, which is a Oh, that's so true. In the, in the, the, in the Asian animal you can market, think of. They'll have they'll have baby baby pigs underneath the plastic on the meat tray. And people like white people think that's unbelievable. They, they right. think it's. Uh, just astounding or even some some yeah. larger parts of animals too yeah. sometimes when you see but anyway to, to answer the question yeah it's different in each country each country has different laws and different rules in spain for example they literally throw when farms have animals that die they throw them in a dumpster outside anybody can come pick them up of course it's, <sighs> it's very different but long story short i can't go into details because again it's different and each city is different but the thing is we take only animals that die on their own in all kind of terrible places because we don't want to give anybody an incentive to kill animals for us. Of course. We only take animals that died overnight on their own, which they, these facilities would have to start talking about even, but, you know, they have to throw them away to the garbage or give them to some rendering service. They discard them somehow. Yeah, yeah, discard them and probably cost them money. So we found a loophole. We take them, and I hope none of them is watching here, but we take them, you know, we take them for free, we take them off their hands. We don't really tell them where they're going. Uh, no mm. questions asked. Uh, they don't really know, but they are in a way maybe glad to get rid of them. That's at least in the U.S. In different countries, it's different. But um, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we get them. And of course, we don't never pay these places. We don't, again, don't want to give them any incentive. But we take them, we clean them, we give them the only TLC they ever had on this planet. Uh, getting emotional here. Then we we put them in a freezer, we freeze them, um, and we prepare them for the event. We bring them to the event. We handle them with care at the event. You know, people hold them, and then before we uh, let let them go back, uh, either to the freezer or straight to cremation. And in LA, we have a, a animal crematory that uh, cremates them right after the event. Um, before we let them go, we do a, an energy circle. We have a, like a human circle around them. We bless them. We send them on their last journey, you know, with all the love we have. Uh, so, yeah, we, we take good care of them and we, we really honor them in every step of the way. Like you would honor your human dead, right? Like, so I, I learned over the years when I thought about it, why, why am I doing this? I come from a culture where honoring the dead is very important and funerals and death is this thing because I've been to nine funerals by the time I was 18. You know, it's, mm. it was all around me because of wars, because of this, because of that. So, and, and the ritual of, of, you know, honoring the dead and the funerals and all that, uh, where I grew up, we don't crem cremate people. We always bury their bodies. And also we bury them in white sheets instead of coffins, which is a little bit more personal. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, we get them from all kind of terrible places. We, in a way, I'm in a way glad that they died on their own. They weren't slaughtered. Uh, but at least we we treat their bodies in a way that we would like to be treated ourselves, that mm-hmm. human would be treated. And well, we something we talk them. a lot about on my show uh, during the normal week is that um, I don't think veganism stops and starts at killing. I think it, it, there's a part about respect. It's not just about animal rights. It's also respect. You need to respect animals as you would any other human animal. You respect them the same way. So I like to hear that. Explain to me, though, let's go back a little bit, because, um, of course, anyone who's vegan or been around for a little while knows about uh, National Animal Rights Day. And I've seen video of like mostly people like to share the video of the music and Tice did a great show this this year in New York. And um, I know Kirsten Marilyn, the person who did our theme song, has 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 performed there at, diff- at different events. Um, could you kind of like tell me kind of if like a kind of a flyby uh, itinerary of what happens on a National Animal Rights Day? Yeah, so it has two parts. The first part is this opening ceremony, which is basically a massive public. So we're uh, talking 8 a.m.? Like, what, time, what, are, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, I mean, again, different cities at, at mm-hmm. different times, but let's say Typically. L.A. or New York, 12 noon. Okay. People start gathering at 10 a.m. We get everybody, we give them this shirt because we want to have this unified look all around the world. Um, the animal holders get ready. We usually, up until now, they wore these overalls, you know, protective gear, gloves. Sure. Everybody knows, we know ahead of time who's going to hold the heavy pig or who's going to get what animal everything everything has to be organized but anyway we we get we get organized in the location we mark the grid where everybody will be standing all the rows so it's symmetrical again this is performance this is street theater so it's not just a bunch of people standing it's like an army of organized army of of people basically telling mm-hmm. society look non-verbally this is the result of your lifestyle of your choices right, look what we've done mm-hmm. yeah so we get ready for the ceremony 12 noon we start the ceremony and then it's it's a funeral service so there's a spoken word usually there's an opening speech there's poems there's moments of silence there's music live or recorded we try to do it live we had a string quartet playing the famous samuel barber adagio one year in la we had moby uh, doing the opening speech mm-hmm. um anything artistic you know um, to honor these 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 animals we in LA, we like to give each animal a name and we like to tell their story to the public. Again, public has no idea what pigs go through, my what goats go through, what baby cows go through, what chicken go through. We tell the story, we tell their sad story, where they came from, how they were born, how they were raised up until the time they died. And then um, and then so basically like a regular funeral service, we do like a program, and then when it, it's time to let them go. We do this energy circle around them. Usually we, we kind of like, uh, you know, send, hold hands and we send them our good intentions and good energy. Then our animal team take them, takes them away and they go straight to cremation in the lane. Other places they go um, to back to the freezer and then either to be buried uh, in nature or cremated. And then we get their ashes and we spread that in nature later mm-hmm. on in another mini ceremony. Um, and then we kind of we end the opening ceremony on a you know it's very emotional, very sad, but we try to end it on a bit higher note or or more hopeful note with reading the Declaration of Animal Rights, which is our mm. another project of ours. So every city around the world reads this declaration in their own language, then people sign it, they sign it on a big piece of paper that they then ship it to us, and we have the original declaration that we 
wrote for the first Nard in New York in 2011, and we keep, keep adding these pieces to it. So by now it's like, you know, if you know the gay quilt or there's been projects like that, like it's yeah. right now like a half a mile long paper of people's writing and poems and names and signatures, any language you can think of from Hebrew to Japanese to Arabic to French to uh, Spanish and English. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so that's the end of the opening ceremony. And then we very easily transition into like funerals where I come from or any, mm -hmm. any human endeavor that is very, very sad. People need some happy resolution. Otherwise they go home and cut their wrists or something. It, it's yeah. really helpful. So we have a celebration then just uh, yeah. that celebration is again, celebrating the vegan lifestyle. So we have sometimes booths from different groups. We have uh, vegan speakers. We have vegan, uh, performers. We have, uh, uh, one year we did a vegan fashion show. We had a vegan uh, dance performance, a martial art uh, demonstration, uh, vegan music, um, um, magician in LA mm -hmm. performed two years ago. So we just want to celebrate the vegan lifestyle and and celebrate us as well ourselves. So it's 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 a good chance. You know, we always say we never get a chance to mourn together as a community, and we also don't get a ch too many chances to celebrate together as a community. So. The opening ceremony allows us not only to honor the animals and also show the public uh, how these animals look like, but also allows us to get emotional together in a safe space. But also then the second part of the celebration allows us to actually celebrate each other and pat each other on the back. Good work. Yeah. And then then finally people leave the event on, on a hopeful note and kind of pumped up to keep the fight for the next for the coming year. You know, keep this uh, agonizing, uh, very... Uh, you know almost well with that many moving parts i mean it's like a, it sounds like a year-long project every i mean it would take all year to organize these things right i mean it's a full-time gig but do you still find time to do acting i think because you were in i want to say star uh stargate is that star right trek. Star, no <laughs> not star trek if you were star trek i would definitely know i'm a i'm a star trek freak um stargate i remember with with I, I remember fondly but um i i remember I, di I didn't watch all of origins but i think that's the one you were in right yeah what do you mean you didn't watch all of it <laughs> he's gonna have to now well, star, star trek was definitely is more my thing in 20 uh in the late 20 2018 i think when, when did 2017 when did uh stargate origins come out something like that yeah uh, beginning of 2018 2018 yeah it's, i mean i don't know what i was doing in 2018 but but i'm a, I'm, a, I'm more of a star trek guy to be honest uh i did like the star the stargate movie and everything did you did you enjoy it did you watch it are you a sci-fi person well i watched the original and by the way before i uh i answer i want to i see deb thompson commenting I, which which city are you from deb um i'm curious but uh yeah i watched the first uh, stargate origins movie in 95 when it came out it must have been yeah because i was still yeah. in israel and we had it was like a big sensation sensation for the entire country because we had this actress millie avital who played the yes. love interest of james spader she was in the film so she was like she was the gal gadot of today she was like wow look she made it to hollywood and all that yeah <laughs> too soon okay too soon arizona thank you deb um yeah i watched the movie i remembered it and then when the time came for mgm to do this try to this final iteration in the uh, Stargate uh, kind of saga franchise and decided to do like a, a, this weird mm, streaming t short episodes thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got to play the, the Nazi villain of all things. Can you you got to play the Nazi villain, which is right. funny. I because love that. 
Because <laughs> the Israeli uh, accent, I guess. I mean, do you speak uh, do you speak German or Yiddish or any of? Uh, yeah, yeah. Any... I, 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 so yeah, Yiddish is a mix of Hebrew and German. Right. So that's easy to speak. I, I'm, I specialize in languages, so I speak German. I speak some Russian. I speak uh, a bit of French. French. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Hebrew, Yiddish, Arabic. But yeah, the German accent uh, was easy for me. Yeah, my yeah. family is, is all from from there. Europe, you know, Germany, Poland. I wanted I wanted to talk uh, to tell people about how we met you and me because it was around veganism that we met. It was um, so everybody is aware that right now there was a big strike in Hollywood for the actors and for the writers and everybody else. And uh, Alem and I we met during the pre negotiations. So before uh, SAG brings the negotiations with produ producers and big studios and all, SAG has pre-negotiations where all the actors can come and bring up topics that they want to have discussed with the producers and everything. And I was talking and I was like, hey, I would love to have vegan meals or vegan options on the menu because on set, sometimes there's really nothing for us. And so Alam contacted me and he was like, hey, me too, I'm a vegan. And I was like, that's how, that's how we met each other. And I don't know, yeah. do you want to share something about that? Well, you know, like you said, it, it's uh, it's the W and W process. It's the pre the process where all the union members can talk among themselves and and they get a chance to say what is important for them going into the negotiation. And of course, uh, everything we say gets ignored, and then they negotiate whatever they want later on. So, yes, exactly. yeah, both me and Fanny uh, uh, felt that you know when we brought up this vegan issue, of nobody course, cared. Uh, cricket <laughs> silence, nobody gives a shit. Sorry. Nobody cared. Excuse my French. Nobody. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, but at least we connected over this and um, we kind of try to say, kind of think together, hey, how can we, it's, you know, it's not over. It's not only to have vegan food for vegan actors on set, which like Fanny said is, doesn't exist sometimes. Yeah. I, I tell you how her, her stories of, I was on a production where the lead star, a, a young lady was vegan and, she had to hire the, her own private chef to make food for her mm -hmm. because of what production provided wasn't what. Yeah. Okay, they had salad. Doesn't make sense. That was the vegan yeah. uh, option: a salad, a green, a bunch of greens. But, but my, you think it, it's so weird too yeah. because you, I'll go to, I'll go to events like um like conferences and they will have a vegan op because it's not that hard to make pasta. You know what I'm right. saying? Pasta with some primavera vegetables and it's not it's not hard. Right. So it's cheaper it's, too. <laughs> it's usually cheaper, and we're usually not we're not asking for much. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's just it is ludicrous to me that this is still a problem. Especially well, you know, it's it's like part Hollywood. of a whole awareness, and I think again we spoke. Uh, me and Fanny spoke about it. It's not just that. I mean, the union is even the union's president was talking about hey, going green and you know yeah. uh, minimizing the, the impact of this of productions on the planet which is huge you know it's vehicles and it's food it's this and look our logistics you want to go green okay so it's yeah it's not going to help if you save on showers or water or you don't give water to your actors or if you uh have napkins that are recycled or whatever mm -hmm. i mean no straws go, yeah straws yeah no no yeah. plastic straws. paper straws only no it's I mean, you want to go green i mean really learn the science get a grip you know join the 21st century i mean I don't know if meat, you, you know? I don't know. I have two questions for you. The first one is, I don't know if you saw, but when we had to go back to work after COVID, we had to take mandatory COVID training to go back to each studio. 
So because I worked with so many studios, I saw them all. Like it was like I had to watch 20 of those. Right. Um, and the only studio, I don't know if you saw, that did anything related to, hey, COVID-19 is happening because the environment, the animals, please try to eat uh, more plant-based, blah, blah, yeah. blah, was HBO. It's the only really? one that in their COVID training was talking about that. I even sent them a private message. I was like, thank you so much. Really? I haven't seen I haven't seen anything related to that since, but during yeah. the COVID training, I don't know if you saw ALM, maybe I not. I didn't see any of this stuff. Hmm. But yeah, it was really cool. And the second question I had for you was, how did you reconcile being an actor and being an activist, right? Because you're a strong activist. Has it been annoying for your acting career? Did you have to, were people asking you to do commercials for milk and you were like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Like, how has it impacted your career? Well, yeah, before so we ask that, we should ask, how long have you been vegan, Alum? Oh, since 2011, since right before oh, wow. the first started. I was vegetarian, I went vegetarian in 2006 and then somehow okay. I was in the dark, didn't think, I mean, oh, yeah, didn't make the connection and finally the, it you know, the coin dropped in 2011. I went vegan. So how many years is by now? It was 13. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. We don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so it's it that affects me in, in several ways. It's First of all, it's very time consuming. And for me, it's it's hard to like, what am I? Am I in the acting mode now or animal rights mode? Because I'm, I'm, I operate differently in each one of them. In the animal rights mode, I'm very, you know, I was an officer in the army. So I'm very like, an officer this is what we need to do bam, bam, bam. you know plans you know notes mm -hmm. all this uh, i can show you all my pile of notes here and i, I have a team that i'm managing i'm, I'm like an army general little army general here and as an actor it's completely different and that's one of the reasons i became an actor because i didn't want all the because i went to film school first i wanted to be a director but then i realized i don't want all this responsibility i don't want to be a general on set you know um yay second year of <laughs> um you, you know, can't always so, be a general, <laughs> right? So it's a, it's diff a different mode of being, but yeah, it, it it's very time consuming because I'm I'm not just an activist; I'm running a nonprofit. It's there's a lot mm -hmm. involved in running a nonprofit, you know, logistically, blah blah, blah and salaries, money, and everything, money. Now I, we're in the midst. You caught me in the middle of a, try to fundraise money to, for next year, so it's a lot of work. Uh, but also, yeah, in in terms of, I have to tell my agents, guys, I'm not going to do commercials for any non-vegan stuff. Even voiceovers, I'm not going to promote any of stuff. I don't want to be seen. I actually have to have added now to my any contracts when I do work. I cannot be depict, depicted on, on camera eating. Of course, I'm not going to eat any animal products, but I don't want to be depicted eating animal products. I don't want to sit mm. in a, in a uh, dining scene, you know, at the kitchen how is at it, the table. How is it taken? Meat. How is it taken by agents and producers? Like, how is it received? My, my agents understand, and you know, it, it hasn't been a big issue. I haven't been yet in a big film where you, know, you have to have meat on the table. You have, mm -hmm. you have to have you eat meat. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big thing. Actually, there was a big show called Hunters. Uh, you know, it's about Nazi hunters. And I had an audition for that show. And in the script, um, I, I had several auditions for the show. But in the script, there was a scene where it's the scene where they it's it's a fictive show about the, the Holocaust. But basically, it's like uh, Al Pacino hunting Nazis, right? Yeah. But basically, yeah. Hitler survived, and now he's Argentine in Argentina, mm. South America, and they hunt right. him and they find him. So it's in like the, the scene Brazil. where they catch Hitler, in the scene, I, 
I think I can reveal that it's been two years ago or any. Yeah, it's, it happens on the boat, and I'm saying I'm I'm the Jewish kind of older Jewish guy that uh, you know he killed my family, and I'm now telling him, yeah, we caught you. And in that scene, I'm opening a I'm on, it's on a boat. I don't know why, and I open a little compartment, and there's like fish out of water, like suffocating there. Mm. And that was already in the script, and I told my agent, uh. I, I I'm not I can't. That. So it was a big show, high stakes, Al Pacino, right? But uh, mm -hmm. I can't I can't do that. And she said, you know what? Just send the audition anyway. I mean, I, I didn't have to. Re I mean, when you see the audition tape, you don't know what's there. It's, it wasn't fish. Um, yeah. Just do it anyway. And then if if you get cast, if it becomes an issue, we'll, we'll have that conversation with them. So I didn't get the role, um, but. Uh, Luckily, it will. It hasn't become an issue yet. For example, like you know, Joaquin Phoenix now. He in Napoleon. He has to ride horses. He's riding horses. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, I haven't been in that situation. I don't want to ride horses. Uh, I don't think anybody will cast me as a in a role that will have to ride horses. But if if it happens, I'll have to have the conversation with them. Tell them, guys, I don't want to be on a horse. I don't want to ride a horse. Can you do it? It's really interesting, horse? that one. Like, if you ever watch behind-the-scene footage of, like, Clint Eastwood movies and stuff, a lot of times they're sitting on stools doing their lines and because the horses, they're not actually on horses half the time that you think they're on horses because the mm -hmm. horses are kind of off-camera and they just need people to kind of pretend like they're on horses. And it's like... It's 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 wild to me that we're still putting horses in movies at all. Today I met with a vegan activist who wanted to see the she wanted to see the chicken truck. So I met her in Daytona, Florida, and she's she's an activist. Um, it's really interesting, actually. She's uh, an activist about uh, roadkill and um, and vehicular vehicular killing of animals. She told me today. I found out today that a million animals are killed every day in America wow. on the roads. Um, which is mm. crazy to me. I'm like, does that include insects? That seems like a crazy number. She's like, no, it's just birds, lizards, snakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, squirrels, squirrels. I mean, a million a day. It just seems like just an unfathomable number yeah. in America alone. Um, but then uh, I, I, I know I clocked her shoes, but like it's been raining here, but she had like knee high boots on. They were rubber and she saw me looking at her boots and she's oh yeah i just came from the stables i'm i'm a horse person and i'm like i don't even, i didn't even say anything cuz i'm like i i, I don't want to get in an argument with a with a vegan activist who says she's vegan it's just like this blind spot for vegans that i just can't i can't stomach man yeah you know I, i've been on a horse once in my life that's be, that's before i was vegan it was in in new york i me and my friends thought it's fun to try in uh, Prospect Park, and then I'm going to answer um, the question we just had: why they why they can't use CGI horses? But you know, anyway, we went we went um, yeah this question we went on um, you know in Prospect Park, which is the other bigger park in New York. Right. You basically, the other park, yeah, yeah, go go on top of horses, and you you just you don't even gallop; you just walk a little course and go back. I felt yeah, so uncomfortable. You just I felt right. so uncomfortable. I didn't want to be on top of this animal. You know, if they tell, oh, if you want to go make them go faster, you, you basically kick them with your legs, with your shoes. I felt I literally so not enjoy this experience that after mm. so I didn't enjoy any any of it. I instead of enjoying, you know, I suffered through the thing because I felt so bad for the horse. And then right then I decided never again. But uh, anyway, I think I mean, look, I don't know what happened on, on this specific film, but I'm assuming that, you know, in a big battle, like 
French Napoleon battle scene with like 300 horses, it will be very difficult to create CGI. I'm sure some of the horses were CGI. But some of them are or they're copied in or yeah they they the background and but the, yeah. the big action like where the joaquin phoenix and the other actors it's probably going to be very difficult to do all the movements especially in a battle of the horses so i mean i don't know maybe hopefully maybe they did cgi horses i haven't heard joaquin i phoenix. have not heard that in this case they use i'm sure that there were cgi horses but the ones on which uh are depicted with him on his back Right. That's that's a real horse. And right. it bugs me because Joaquin Phoenix is at that level where he could say no. It's right. kind of like I, I don't know. So I watched this movie. I was really interested in seeing it. It was about the last duel ever fought in uh, France. I think it was with uh, with Matt Damon and um, other famous people and Adam Driver. I forget the name of the movie right now. And I really wanted to see it. And they had a duel with horses in the end. And I'm just like because they're jousting. And I'm like, they could have done so much of this movie with zero horses. I, I, I'm like, I'm, the whole time I'm editing in my mind, you didn't need any. And they had a lot of it was CGI because there were really hardcore battle scenes where the horses are dying and stuff. Those are all CGI. But it's like, I'm going, well, why not just keep the rest of it? There's so many shots where it's just establishing shots with horses riding up to a castle and bullshit like that. Yeah. We didn't need that. Shakespeare didn't need that. He did. And it's, and that's oh, great. No, you know, it's crazy. It's not only horses. I it's, I really know. I have an awareness of this right now. There's so many films and TV shows with animals in them. Yes, because because Dogs, people love horses. it. People yeah. love like watch. If you open your Instagram, I don't know. Mine is like that. But if yeah. you open your Instagram, everything's about animals. People love watching animals. Like that's why we have zoos and everything. Like people love seeing real right, animals. Right, but they don't they don't think what goes in in making a movie. It's it's not just you know. There's a company that has to schlep an animal there against mm -hmm. their will. They have to keep them there for hours. You know how filming is. You wait for 10 mm -hmm. hours until your shot is ready. Then you wait another 10 hours. They have to feed them. And I don't know what kind of food they... We don't have vegan food on set. So think about the animals. What they get <laughs> fed on set. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Paper or cardboard. And yes. they're there the whole day. Sometimes in the sun. Then they're, then they're required to do things they don't want to do. They're required to have people on their backs or... You know, they and they don't understand what's happening. So if if we're saying they are their own individuals and we want to give them agency to live their life as they see fit, we have no way to tell them what to do and mm -hmm. force yes. them to do all kinds of things for, for our entertainment. Of course. Well, true. Yeah. All of that is so true. And and what what's sad to me about, especially animals and entertainment, it, it, it strikes a core with me because I'm from Southern California as well. And it's always been, it, it pissed me off before I was vegan. It's always pissed me off that we're just using these slave animals. But like, you have to ask like, okay, what so what the napoleon story never gets told what the fuck the story of napoleon has been told it's been told again and yeah, again yeah, and time. again henry the eighth has been told henry the fifth has been told like we told those stories i mean like the pancho villa story i'm trying to think of stories that people still need to hear that have to have horses in them they they don't exist even westerns don't need horses there's all sorts of Western movies that don't even require horses because most of it happens inside. Most of the shit that humans being human beings do happens inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just like we. I, it just always has bugged me. Um, it's weird that there's this blind spot for people who otherwise consider themselves vegan. That's like 
that's one of them. That's just the one of the worst things. Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have a leg to stand on, morally speaking, because now he's let himself be compromised. So now his his Oscar speech. OK, well, that's fine. Don't use animals for their milk. Wait a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he's immediately a hypocrite. Everyone loves that. Fuck. Everyone loves that Oscar speech. Yeah. But then, yeah. I, yeah. look, I, I don't I don't know. I, I wasn't in his shoes. Uh, probably will never be. But um, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if they uh, I, mean, I haven't seen the film. I'm probably not going to see it. But I don't know if they did use real horses. It sounds like they did. Mm hmm. Um, but he wouldn't wear a skull, he wouldn't wear a, a wool a wool cap. He wore a, a, a the, oh, yeah, the, I, I, yeah, look, it's it's media, who knows what's true and what's not. But yeah, yeah I, I read know. also that he didn't wear a, he didn't want to wear a hat made of wool. So, yeah. speak, so speaking you know, of, yeah, sorry, speaking no, of the. yeah, but there you go. Well, hold on, they said that he said he said the word the rad just do a rad version of Napoleon. Just for just just to just to make sure that everyone knows, the movie Rad was not a skateboard movie. It was a BMX bike movie. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. If you haven't seen it, there's even a BMX bike ballet that's very much worth ballet. checking out. You can watch you can watch the ballet part, the ballet scene just on okay. YouTube. It's I very will much do worth it. Seeing. Okay, <laughs> you would love it. So my question to you, Elam, was you've taught we were talking about Napoleon and war and you said you were in the military. So how does someone who was in the military becomes a nonviolent person? Like what was the transition? What happened to you? Well, you know, they compulsory I, service. They have compulsory service. Don't yeah, they? so it's compulsory. I didn't have a choice. Mm. Nobody asked me when you were 18. <laughs> boom, you're, you're drafted to there the army. Um, luckily. And again, that would be. It's the same emotional dilemma like being on a horse. I, I didn't serve in the combat uh, role. I was in the intelligence because I speak languages. So I sat in a bunker and did intelligence work. I never hurt a living being. I never stepped foot in areas of conflict. Um, so it wasn't a shift. You were always a Yeah, I was against person. it. But, but again, I, I knew that I felt that if for some miracle somebody would think that I should be a combat soldier... I will have my principle. I say I'm not going in there. I'm not going into the Palestinian territory. And that's a whole discussion. But I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna. And I remember even in basic training. So they, you know, they give you a gun. They train you, and and even they tell you then, do not fucking shoot anybody. They tell you it's for your protection. If somebody comes to attack you, you can use it. But do not shoot anybody. Mm -hmm. You'll get a court martial if you shoot anybody. And then you tell them, but you just told me that it's for my protection. What what do you mm -hmm. do if somebody comes to attack me? We don't care. Do not shoot anybody. Mm -hmm. But anyway, if if I had I I already had my my kind of my views and my my principles and I I luckily I didn't I wasn't in a combat uh, role. But if I had if I was in a combat role, I would have the same issues that I have now about not eating meat in the commercial. Like no, I'm not I'm I'm not gonna shoot anybody. I'm not gonna go in there. I'm not I'm not willing to kill anybody. Uh, luckily, I didn't have that dilemma. But I I remember having those thoughts with myself. I, I know ahead of time when I was already in high school that I'm going to be in the intelligence because I studied Arabic. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't even a question. I knew they're going to. It seems like it's, it's a similar story I've heard because I've had South Korean friends. I've had lots. I lived in Germany for six years and they oh. uh, when I was there, they still had compulsory service. They still do, but they've, 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 they've shortened it to a point where it's not as yeah. significant as it used to be. But when I was there, it was still one year for every boy. I know in, I know in Israel, it's uh, both male and female have yeah, to join. Everyone. Which is which is I think 
you know, egalitarian. I think it's pretty cool. It always kind of sucks that the boys have to go in Germany, you know, um, put their careers on hold and everything. But um, a lot of them told me that they would, if, if they had, if they were conscientiously objecting that the military, when it's compulsory, they they know who's who, who's 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 your who's your guys with the guns and who's the guy. They 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 do this every day, and they know how to how to separate. They do tests. They do tests. At least in Israel, when yeah. you were like in high school, they do all these tests. You know, mental oh. tests, physical tests. They give wow. you a number. Here too. They we give you a the number. The profile. Yeah. They give you a number. It, the maximum is ninety-seven. So if you if you're perfect physically, no any issues, you're having ninety-seven. I had a seventy-two because I had scoliosis in my back. So I already knew I'm not. Thank God, I'm not going to yeah. be a combat soldier. And then it's, when I studied Arabic, I knew even even Gal Gadot, she uh, she was a, a soldier. She was a uh, combat. Soldier. I think she was a, a. She trained soldiers to do certain things like. A, it's uh, interesting to me because um, I'm not. I was not an American. I became American like two years ago, and the one thing when I read all the stuff to become American, the one thing that was there is like you're gonna have to bear arms for America if you become American. Country, yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I pushed the deadline, and it's only when Jess, my husband, was like, well, you know, if you're vegan, you might have a reasonable cause to be like, I'm a nonviolent person so i don't want to do that which seems like it's it's a rule in america like yeah. if you can prove that you are of a non-violent philosophy they won't force you to do that but i was like if not for that rule i would well, have not become an american because that's totally against who i am like i'm not going to 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 reinstitute the draft though i think we'd have to be in a really really bad place in the world for that to happen i mean but you know the world is not getting better right now well it so is certainly you scary no it, it's scary i think i think before before the end of before the end of uh this uh the next couple of years, I, I actually thought I thought before this, the end of this year, we would see American soldiers in Europe or the Middle East because we have now two potentially world war starting conflicts going yeah. on in the world in two different regions. And that's always bad news in history. Um, I'm, I'm very, very worried about that. Luckily, um, cooler heads seem to be prevailing now in the Middle East again. Um it seems like throughout history, the Palestinians attack, the Israelis win, and then it goes back to back, back to quiet for a while again. For another ten years, we'll have we'll yeah. have what passes for peace in that region. It's um, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll avoid American soldiers in um, in other parts of the world. That'd be pretty awesome, I think. Do you do you think, Alem, that maybe why do you think was the reason that you felt most attracted to uh, silent protest? Like, how was that for you more impactful? Is it because of a military past or something? I don't know. Especially I, I for a guy that speaks this many languages, huh? Right. <laughs> true. Um, I, I think the igualdad animal thing that really hit hit me hard. It, it hit mm -hmm. home. I, you know, mm -hmm. they could have stood there shouting, "Yeah." You know, meat and violence, or it's not food, it's violence, or go vegan. They just stood silent, silently, and there's a lot of power in it because um, the nonverbal messages are streaming at you, the visuals, they're, the look in their eyes. But also, it actually, I, you know, I investigated it more in, in my head later on. Why, mm -hmm. why is this effective? Why am I attracted to this? It's, it's actually creating a safe space for people to want to stop and engage with the footage. Whereas we, the minute you raise your voice, 
and you start being vocal or you spout your opinions and the, usually you point a finger at people you blame them they, they they shut down they just want to get out of there it's even me if i go in the street and i see people say, hey, hey you want to join us uh, sorry i have to run i don't mm -hmm. want to even engage with it it's not a safe space you know i feel attacked so i get we, that we, i get that Island, does the opposite you know on the mm -hmm. on the one, I, I agree, but most of the time when you see activists raising their voices with megaphones and such, it's not at individuals. It's at Max Mara. It's at Louis Vuitton. Yeah, it's those, at Jim those Henson. Are, those are super effective for their own sake, for, for what they're trying to achieve. Right. Yeah, I go to the Fur Free Friday. I think I met you there. We did. Again. That's how we uh, met in person. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I go there, and that's what, one time over here. Then I don't know. Here, I need to shout my ass off, and we need to be vocal because we, we're what the goal is to make them uncomfortable and make right mm -hmm. go into those stores and make them realize we have to take fur off of our shelves for people who don't know we're talking about an annual demonstration in in beverly hills where uh you know, on black go, friday yeah black friday people go to all the fashion big you know fancy beverly hills stores that still use fur in the year 2023 in their products when it's and, when it's forbidden in california it's big so how they're still using it or yeah but there's a loophole yeah, they do it online. They do it in other countries. And if you go and you ask them nicely, they'll yeah. do it. They're, they have the so right to still sell the stock that they already have imported. Mm -hmm. And they are right. still allowed to import used or yeah. second choice or second hand, whatever that may mean. And so mm -hmm. like like most laws, there's little ways to get around them. But, you see, but in, I this, guess, in this case... We're not trying to create a safe space for the other side to come in. And right, that's no. right. But it's, it's a, a company. Purpose. Yeah, it's a company. We're trying to create a non-safe space for them. So it's mm -hmm. the total opposite of what, let's say, in our we're ceremony trying to like pressure ours. them. Yes. But yeah, a ceremony like ours. What we're trying to do. We're not trying to pressure the public or blame them or anything. Make them wrong, as uh, it's it's called. Yeah, it's we're just we're trying it's just the sometimes... opposite to bring them to us and engage mm. with the message. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and I totally agree with that. I just I just needed to express that caveat simply because um, I think a lot of times, especially now with DXE style disruptions, it seems like all of us are out there screaming at consumers or screaming at individuals. And and you're absolutely right. I don't think that's a good way to start a conversation. Now, the, I think the jury might be out whether or not it's effective, although I've heard lots of people say that yeah, it's all, all of these all of these methods are great and they are effective for their own thing. So I, I, I yeah. went to uh, Wayne's trial. I went up to Sonoma County to attend Wayne's trial. I support DXC and I support everybody. But it's like it's like in um, I don't know, it's like an acting. You have to know what is the scene? What's the tone here? What's going on? What am I trying to achieve? What is my character? And what's your strength yeah. as a person? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what am I trying to achieve in this scene? And then, okay, what tactic am I going to use to get there? Because I also teach acting. So, you know, objectives and acting, we know these terms. Object mm -hmm. What's your objective? What's your need? What's your this? What's your, what's your action? What's your goal? Mm -hmm. But yeah, so the the mean, the, the, the goal justifies the means um, for, for what we're trying to do, which is commemorate the animals and open the public, create an emotional reaction in the public. We found that being silent, I mean, we're not silent. There's music, there's spoken word. But we found that... Uh, none shouting and none pointing a finger but the opposite standing there and letting them come to us is more effective but yeah i i endorse all the other methods and they're all effective in their own yeah, in a lot of ways, to me, it's like um, that Marshall McLuhan quote that medium is the message. And uh, like when people say medium is the message, they don't really know what it means. But the idea is that like 
TV changes the way you think. So if you are on TV and thinking about TV and watching TV, it changes who you are as a person. That medium is the message. And if you're on Twitter all day long, you become more and more like Twitter. The medium of Twitter makes you more like a, like Twitter. And you're absolutely right. Like, do we want to be the shouters and the screamers all the time? Maybe not. And that's why I like to diversify my um, my activism. Your portfolio. I portfolio. Yeah, I like I like to do I like to diversify the portfolio because I don't want to be. I do I do enjoy I, I'm I'm hell on that on that megaphone. I enjoy it. I love doing it, and I'm yeah. I think I'm good at it. But I can't always be doing that. Like I don't think my hearing will, will hold out, and I also like. Um, I don't want to be just the guy who yells chance. I don't want to be that guy. I I don't think there's much critical thinking going on at those um, at those at those moments. But I do think that we need to be shouting and screaming at at Louis Vuitton to stop what they're doing. You know. Yeah, it's it's almost like you don't want to shout at individual people. You want to shout at corporations. That's, right, because that's so, the only way they'll hear you. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, um, but you and know, corporation. Like, yeah. yeah. So, corporations make themselves public it's different right. than individual and you know i want to say throughout history there's been examples of the silent you know the, the silent protest thing there was a few years ago in turkey uh they, they had you know kind of unrest political unrest and and like a million people came to the street in the capital and they just stood there like like that or stood there or blindfold you know it's it's street theater it's performance and there's a lot of power uh they just stood there silently like a mass of people stood silently in front of the parliament, you know? Yeah. And it's so powerful, almost more powerful than if all of them would be shouting, ah, you know, resign it's, or whatever. It's very interesting because when we were at the um, Rodeo uh, ban event, um, they were, there was this person who was like screaming and like almost crying and being so upset at the other people who were there on horses to promote, you know, the rodeo. And my husband and I, we both felt like, oh, that's, that's less powerful. I feel this person because they look a little bit too much. Like I, I think I know who that crazy. person is. Yeah. It, it makes you look insane. You're hysterical. Exactly. You're crazy. Whereas and, when you're just there, you're standing your ground and you're just saying your message, but you're right. not losing your temper. It, it, I, to me, it seems more powerful. And that's more, acting. It's, yeah. it's, it's public speaking when, you know, there's mm -hmm. rules to these things. What's more effective with human being <laughs> is mm -hmm. rarely effective to deliver any message. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, pitch of tone, uh, you know, if it's male or to female, individuals. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes you, Sometimes you got to scream. Um, sometimes you have to scream at politicians. Sometimes you have to scream. Right, but what I'm trying to say, even screaming has its rules. Yeah. Hysterical, mm -hmm. is hysterical screaming yeah. is very different than me. No, do not do that. Right. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. There is firmness or there is yeah, hyster it's, it's hysterical. Rules of, it's yeah. the rules of public speaking and how effectively to deliver a message. I mean, like everything in... in any other human endeavor people have found the best practices for each and the rules for for things so yeah i agree that the hysterical thing doesn't achieve much because it it people well, it don't listen to the message it and it makes you uh, 
it depends on me how much how much of it is is theater just like you were saying like i might yell but i never lose my temper ever never have i lost my temper at an action never have i lost my head police come up and i'm and i'm just i'm just a gentle as little as a lamb in the bible i'm gonna i'm a gentle gentle man no you don't have to be gentle. Temper. you can raise your voice and, and be very firm but if you veer into hysterics that's a different Thing. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I did want to ask you, uh, the vegan community. How have so? I have, I have friends who, um, let's say, uh, have lived in Israel. Let's put it that way, and um, they've they've found that um, a lot of the vegan community has kind of been different in the last since October sixth. Have you um experienced any of that, or do you find, or do you oh, find yeah, that? I mean... the, yeah. I mean, I, we probably shouldn't talk about it, but yeah, I think most of the vegan community is uh, um, not informed of exactly what's going on there, taking yeah. one side, because I, I know in the media it looks like one side is the aggressor and terrible aggressor. Mm -hmm. uh, look, I lived there for 32 years. I, I was in the army again. Thank, thank God, not in a combat situation, but I lived through wars. I mm -hmm. went through wars. I remember the 73-day war. I remember the Lebanon war. I was in high school. I uh, remember yeah. the Intifada. I was in the army. Again, didn't have anything to do with it, but I was serving at that time. Mm -hmm. I went through period. I remember terror attacks. I remember being six years old and walking back from uh, school with my buddy, and we see a little bag behind a bush, and we were calling the police as a six-year-old. That's yeah. the that's the life you live. You call the police. It didn't even call my mom or anything. Straight, you call the police. There's a we call the hotline. Yeah, nine one one suspicious object. They came. You know, they of course they close the area. Blah, 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 and they have a robot that shoots mm -hmm. the thing. If it's a bomb, it blows up. If it's not, turned out to be a real bag. Nothing thing. Nothing. Uh, not a bomb. But still, as a six year old, that's the awareness you go. You mm -hmm. live your life with. Oh, is that a suspicious? Can that be a bomb? Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, terror attacks. I remember hostages being taken. I remember women and children being killed. I remember buses when I later lived in Tel Aviv, buses blowing up uh, yeah. about 200 feet from my house and me in my house feeling the, the bomb, the, the you know, hearing and feeling it. Anyway, it, it's it's a very complicated conflict. Absolutely. I, I hate the killing of, of civilians on, on either side. I think it's terrible. It shouldn't happen. Yes, um, I agree with I you. I don't agree with uh, the governments of each side of what the, the tactics or st strategies they're using because yes. it always involves killing civilians. Yes. So it's terrible. I don't have a, a better solution to this conflict. It's so complicated and insolvable. Let me tell you that. Well, it's it's solvable, isn't it? I mean, there's a there's it's a two not. state solution that's been on it's the table not. for it's a not. long time. No, but you think that's a solution, but uh, many. It's a solution that has been been brought up and tried in a way, failed. There's a, has been a solution of one state that includes everybody as equal citizens. That mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. kind of working, but it's, also I understand why. What do they want to do? They want they need their own state. <clears throat> it's it's insolvable. I mean, I, it's very complicated because it's generational. We saw that also with the Hutu and the Tutsi, um, and it's like because a generation they had killed people's siblings or families then whoever is the now the generation even two or three generations remember that that neighbor killed their grandparents you well, know it's, it's that like, it's also it's religion very, it, it's territory even uh, people say most so, of the fight is not over territory but you know it's it's a thing 
I auditioned recently for something in uh, the, about the Balkan wars. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same. These are brothers. They're cousins. They're brothers. Mm-hmm. They fought each other so viciously, you know, mm-hmm. including crimes against humanity, rape, murder, you know, ethnic cleansing, all kind of terrible shit that you can't even imagine. And then they're all neighbors, you know. So, and this is because because one side is Muslim, the other side is Christian, and the other side is Orthodox, and the other side is, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, Catholic. religious Uh, yeah so it's it's almost like you know whenever the territory religion and like you said generations of memory collective memories involved it's like it's it's really hard i don't know well yeah and i I don't think i mean i don't think for our purposes we need to solve the issue or, or go into all the different solutions that are on the table already but i was i was actually more curious about the vegan community um because now i feel like our thing has a rift in it. And I've said uh, many, many times that the only vegan position is one of nonviolence in this case, one that is saying that we sh- we need to be solution oriented and talking right. about what solutions there might be in a peaceful in a peaceful fashion. I also said that maybe if America hadn't squandered its um, its place in the world as mediator, arbiter, somebody who can bring people to the table in a peaceful fashion, because we're because you know America just isn't that doesn't play that role like they used to. Um, you know, there's I don't, how many photos have I seen with Yasser Arafat next to whomever, uh, and, and, and an American president. That was how we kept what, what passes for peace in that region for so long. So, but that's uh, all that aside, what I'm very, very curious about is what your experience is as far as the, as the, what I feel is so important to me is the vegan community. I find so much, um, comfort in it and solace from a lot of the people in it. And now, I think a lot of people are showing themselves as something that I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, look, I could have posted on social media. I'm, I'm Israeli, but I'm also a pacifist. I could have posted on this side and that side, just add, adding to the problem, adding to the argument. So yeah, you're right. What I'm finding is that most vegans or vocal vegans are taking a side um, without investigating everything, without knowing, you know, while sitting and having their espresso somewhere in the UK or the <laughs> Overnight US. Overnight experts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, giving their opinion about this and that instead of exactly what you said, let's all find peaceful solutions. And if you noticed, if you check our plan, this to uh, Instagram, for example, that's the only thing we said about, because every other group said this and free Palestine or whatever, or Israel, or, eh, you know, the Jews were supporting Israel. I stand with them. I stand yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing we said is like, we organized um, uh, a zoom uh, meditation for peace. Because again, I'm I'm involved. My whole family is there. My 90 year old parents had to run to shelters because they're being rocketed, you know, in Tel Aviv. Mm. But still, the only thing I can do p- to help the situation is not to take a side. Even though I'm very heavily involved in one side, it's not to take a side. But yeah, let's offer a solution. And the, the solution we came up with is let's have a. I, I can only the only thing I can do is ask people to meditate for peace, send peace, send peace and love, send nonviolence. That's li- really the only thing, effective thing I can do right now to, to yeah. solve the situation. Send peace and nonviolence to both sides, to everybody. I and I know I you might not believe in the power of meditation and global consciousness and all that, but that's really the only contribution I can get to, I could do to solve this in a peaceful way, you know? Well, I believe in, in the in the exasperated efforts of people who feel powerless and and the power of prayer and the power of meditation. I think that 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 the that the um the exercise is very important uh, just right. to the personal psyche and maybe 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 to global peace. What do I know? Right. But um but I, I guess 
I, I love what you're saying. And sometimes I think it's generational. I think that I'm probably closer to your age than, than a lot of people on Instagram are. And I feel like now if it used to be, if you like, I feel like I've, I remember everything you just mentioned in the Intifada, 73 Days War, all of that. I remember the Lebanese War. I remember all of those happening in my lifetime, most of them, or at least reading about them, um, you know, uh, after the fact. And I, I, I feel like now everyone's opinion, nobody asked for your opinion, and yet everyone feels like... Yeah, but, but social media, social, yeah, media social media is the... Social media is the business of creating content. So people are going to want to create content. And if what's right now happening is this thing, people are going to want to make content about this because it's a business. That's what they're selling, their opinion. And it's more and more about opinion than not facts. So I understand that I disagree that they do that, but I see how it's the media, like you were saying earlier, the Me media makes the message and it's, it's exactly that. So medium is the message. And, and it's funny because, um, I, I read something recently that, uh, influencers are now, are now trying to make it look less professional, but regular users like your sister down the road or whatever, your, your next door neighbor, she's trying to fulfill an aesthetic that has been that has been uh, presented by social media, and now personal users are looking more and more manufactured, and the and the the professional users are looking more and more amateurish. They wanted to mm. look more more real. It's it's a bizarre thing because especially since you're right, they're in the business of making content, but these but every individual is not in the business of making content, and their opinions first of all don't matter, and secondly are only adding like TikTok is through this whole conflict you know is it's, I mean, it's, it's human beings yeah it's, it's <laughs> so interesting to me because right now i'm making a bunch of videos my whole thing is trying to create my thing fanulous with you know vegan content and all and so many people come to my videos and be like well nobody wants to hear your opinion or whatever and i'm just like well you're on you're instagram what do you mean it's a it's a garbage can of everybody's opinion that's why <laughs> first of all that and then secondly nobody asked you to come here and share your thing you know it's yeah, like right. you you don't have to watch my there is so much what brought you here why are you here interacting yeah. with me some something was triggered in you or i don't know but it's like it's interesting to me how you know yeah. people are like i don't want to hear you well then don't because you, you can, else. You can you know, literally do that the vegan aspect yeah i i wish you know i live uh, my philosophy of veganism is is non-violence and trying to do the 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 least harm i can on this world to animals and also to people even though i hate mm -hmm. people and i only like animals but um <laughs> you know you know the truth <laughs> right but it, if that's your motto then taking a side that calls for one side you know taking harm. a side that 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 aligns with with the valid valid rights of one side is still being violent because you vilify the other side and Again, yeah. I, I didn't speak. I didn't post like all my friends. But there were a few cases where I had to say something because somebody was like literally vilifying the other side while being vegan. But you're you're adding to the violence towards one group. You're That's being a, violent yourself yes. in yes. your speech and in Do your you, behavior. In calling, you might be inciting other people for violence. Have yeah. you have you seen the movie The Fall? 
it's the end of Hitler's life. Oh yeah, it's in like German the they call it the uh, the Untergang. Is that is it really called the fall in English? Because the fall. I, I don't know if it's the uh... fall in in French. It's La Chute, which is the fall. So I don't know how it is because I saw the movie in French. In Germany, in German, but... it's the Untergang. It's the uh, the the exit, like, the downfall. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So it's interesting to me because when I saw this movie, what I thought that they did well was to show that Hitler was just another human being, not in the sense that he was a good person or whatever, but he 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 had no superpower for being this bad, you know? And oftentimes, I feel like we have, yeah, Ben, oftentimes I feel like we have these ideas oh these person these people they're monsters so it gives us the right to treat them a certain way right. that's what they do with animals they're just animals so we can treat them yeah, a certain that, way that's the real danger but if yeah. you're just like yeah. no everybody is a person and the, and some of them have done shitty things but they're also just a person so right. we have to treat them like a person yeah. for me it realigns everything it's it it enables people to see others are just these like monsters or like specially terrible people it enables violence yeah, I well, yeah it's, it's the distancing yeah. method if, yeah. if you know mm -hmm. that you know the marshall rosenberg theory of nonviolence, which again i try to bring to it everything i do and i don't I'm, know I'm, it i'm not I a an expert but marshall rosenberg was this jewish guy that came up with this whole practice and theory called nonviolence communication nvc mm, and okay. according and and he used it in highly uh, uh dangerous conflict areas in the world like northern ireland middle east I, yeah he was in israel palestine middle east the balkans but according to this theory of nonviolence, is all people have the same needs we mm -hmm. all share the same needs and there's a list of needs but all the basic needs to be loved to be appreciated to have agency to have free will choice blah blah blah, blah and be safely uh, you know physically and emotionally safe it's just it's so all people we all share the same needs some of us go about achieving these needs using a tactic or strategy that doesn't support life that is violent and and uh, destructive so a terrorist well, I, 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 every cell of my body wants to call the terrorists monsters. You know, it's funny, almost like uh, automatically, I almost say, oh, they're animals. And then I catch myself, no, 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 I love yeah. animals. Mm -hmm. But monsters, mm -hmm. that in the minute you do that, the, 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 any dialogue, any possible nonviolent solution is out the window mm -hmm. because right. you, you say, oh, their needs are not important and their tactics are so bad that I don't agree with. I, I can't even talk to them because they're not human. But no. Evil, yeah, you dehumanize them. Right, yeah. exactly. They have the same, even a terrorist, I'm sorry to say it, don't get mad at me, my Israeli friends. No, I agree with you. But even a terrorist is a human being. They want, they have a need to be safe. They have a need to have their own country. They have a need to get respect. They have a need for justice. They just go about it in very, very violent and destructive ways that don't because achieve... Well, been because oftentimes yeah. they've been raised like that. That's also something that a lot of people forget right. about terrorists is that when you are a terrorist, very often, not always, but very often, you've been raised for that. You have groups that collect children or young adults and brainwash them into doing these right. things. So these people, they didn't have the same chances at a proper education, all of that, yeah. that we did. And you so know, again, also... you mentioned Hitler. So even Hitler, I mean, was a human being. He had his needs, went about it in very, very violent ways, mm -hmm. very destructive ways. 
And according to nonviolence, the, 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 the only way to have a dialogue, even with somebody that you call a monster or your enemy, is recognize that they're human, recognize their, what their needs are, listen to their needs mm. underneath what they're saying, if they're willing to share their feelings and their needs. And when mm. you hear each other's needs, that's the only opportunity to actually relate to each other and maybe then find a compromise that will fulfill your needs and my needs. So if I hear from a, a from Hitler that his need is to uh, I don't know be respected and to feel safe and feel that nobody's threatening his people go to art I school have, he wants to, he wants his art appreciated yeah art appreciated yeah. and to be loved by women because he was rejected and all that and mm -hmm. I can say hey, you know what I have the same needs some of them and I understand but would you be would you be willing to consider going about it in a diff, uh, using a different tactic to get those needs and I can I suggest to him oh you can get your art appreciated, not by killing people in concentration camps. You can do it by, uh, do, do your own solo exhibition in uh, Art Basel in Miami. <laughs> right. You know, do this, do that. I mean, kidding, yeah, I mean, that's, but, you know. that's also with, with Marshall Rosenberg. I mean, he's a, a mediator. People came to him to help help these things. I mean, yeah. this I think that goes to show how unchecked power, unchecked people, it gets pretty scary pretty quickly yeah. i think this is exactly what happens in religions religions are all fine and good until you start putting people in charge of others this is the problem with the patriarchy this is the problem with hierarchies in the military you have you have it's fraught with abuse it's fraught with with horrible problems between um you know superior to yeah, uh, people use very very destructive tactics to get those human needs that we all share like Power, you know, abuse of power, you know, oppression. It's it's all to fulfill a certain need in that person. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, Fair Marshall Rosen, by the way, it's a book. It's it's online. I mean, it's 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 something that all people should learn. I mean, I think, and it's available to learn. And uh, and I know people. I I have a nonviolent coach here in LA. I know people that live it, and it's beautiful to see. They're so. Different I've always thought people. of him like a hostage negotiator. That's how I always thought of Rosenberg. Like no, he, he was uh, after you know he was he was like a he was like a Eckhart Tolle mm. developed this thing, and then because it was so effective, people started inviting him to actual help in negotiations in right. conflict areas. That's how I know about him is that he was like mm. one of those master negotiators and mediators. He was like yeah. a King Solomon kind of character. Yeah, he was right? great because he he was able to get two sides that really hate each other to actually have a dialogue using this uh, this technique. But yeah, it's it's available. The book changed my life. Nonviolent communication. Exactly. I have it here uh, in my on my bookshelf and it's on the screen, Deb. It's on the screen. Uh, it's on the screen. Nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Yeah, and there's um, also there's also it, it, there's many um, there's also an audio version of it, and there's many clips of him on YouTube. Any clip you watch of Marshall Rosenberg on YouTube will blow your mind because yeah, there's some where he's like talking at the camera, explaining how he would do things. It's almost like a masterclass vibe, right? Like yeah, and he has got... like uh, he has puppets. He he uses puppets actually to demonstrate some of his ideas. Yeah, like yeah. A rough puppet. And... You've piqued my curiosity. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm like oh, when this yeah. is over, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> he's an interesting cat. Like I've known I, I've known about him, but I didn't know that. People no, look, like, it's it's amazing life, for life, for regular life. I mean, we have conflicts in life all the time, and. It's the only way I learned where if a conflict, if I have a conflict with somebody, even work, you know, yeah, there's a way to de-escalate it and use use NVC to actually get to the issue. And then it, it does wonders. It does wonders to any kind of conflict. Yeah. In Vegas, I had to take a lot of conflict resolution courses because of. Well, it's Las Vegas. There's lots of conflict, lots of violence. Um, so I was always I always had to I, we had to take them. We, I, we took many. 
And yeah. The managers, the managers had to take lots of non non-violent uh, conflict resolution because uh, there was always something. Look, something was always going. Yeah, on. you know, violence rarely solves things. I mean, we've we, every human never, yeah. people on the planet have tried it. We keep trying it. Unfortunately, it never solves anything. You no, really. it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, it solves an it solves an immediate thing, but it doesn't. It right. doesn't. It just punt, it's like punting it down the road, right? Yeah, like it just. Uh, exasperates I mean, the problem it's yeah yeah i mean we'll see like i i think peace will last again in uh the region we were just discussing and i really uh, hope we'll be back here we'll be back here in in a few more years it'll be it'll happen that's a thing it's like this we, we've seen this movie before it keeps yeah, it's on not happening. it's not a lasting solution like the uh, yeah there's no there's there no be, right yeah yeah again there needs to be a solution that takes into account the needs of both sides you cannot Brilliant. say, oh, this side of it because we were here for before. They were not even here. It doesn't matter. They're here that now. Matter. They have needs. Both sides have strong needs. And both of them have been there forever. It's like it's such a ridiculous notion. Like <laughs> we were here first. What the no, hell? You know, it, also, it, it doesn't matter who was here. It doesn't matter if you came here it yesterday, but you're here now, right? You're here yes. now. You're a human being. Yeah. You're my neighbor. I have to find a solution that takes that respects your needs there's no way for yeah. me to say you don't matter because you were not here yesterday yeah i'm You're an american i'm an american though i can vote beware right. yeah, i am i'm i am <laughs> a little bit worried about that but i but i'm also in florida and they all vote so yeah but um, it's true <laughs> that when you were when you're in a new country it doesn't matter how long you've been there if you have the right now to participate, you have the right. Even that's if you don't it. have the right, you know, that's a whole other... Discussion. By like just immigrants. being a person. Immigrants, yeah. poor immigrants came over here, crossed the border because they have no choice. They fled another terrible yeah. fate. Refugees. They're here now. So what are you yeah. going to... You're going to ignore it and... No, well, yeah, no, no. you know what's funny yeah, is that uh, Bill Maher just did his editorial, his last editorial of the year about this subject, and he's like, uh, it, "It's funny because he echoed some of the things that I was saying about California, Texas. They it used to belong to Mexico. Um, if Mexico came over our border and uh, did some things that were unspeakable acts, what would you expect the American response to be? It oh, would be third world war." It would be incredible. It would be yeah. it'd be so insane. It would it would it would it would blow everybody else away. It would be so scary. Um, when it happened in 9-11, we started a 20-year war in Afghanistan, a 20-year war we fought in Afghanistan. Many, many, many of my friends went to Afghanistan and fought there because of what happened in 9-11. And 9-11 was um, small potatoes compared to what happened um, in, in Israel this year. So Anyway, let's get off of that. I just want to ask one more question because we do have to land this plane, not to, not no pun intended, with yeah. um, if, if plane jokes. Um, so, what's the future? What do we have? What, what, where can people find you? How do people get involved uh, with your with your organization, Alam? What's coming? What's coming down the road? So, thank you for asking this. We we are making all the efforts we can now to raise funds to expand all our projects, uh, but NARD mostly uh, to, we want to get to 200 uh, cities and even more this year. We want to, we want to have, want to allow or help each country to have its own national animal rights day one day. Um, just like we have Memorial day here or independence day here. Yeah. That's the website. So um, basically we, we, we need help funding help and also helping hands. So anybody who wants to organize a national animal rights day event in their city, if there's no, one yet please get in touch with us you go to the website there's all the contact there contact us you can also contact us on 
Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, join us, contact us, get in touch. We want to bring it to more cities. We, if you want to organize in a place that doesn't have an event, if there is an event in your city, please come and enjoy that event. The date is going to be Sunday, June second, twenty twenty four. It's a is it is it it's like the um it's some it, it changes though it's not always June second. It's the first. Right? It's the first Sunday of June, so it falls first Sunday of June. Got it. Second, the third. Um, awesome. it's, it's one week after and not by chance one week after Memorial Day for people in the US so we, we like to call NARD Independence Day and Memorial Day for animals combined because the ceremony is a kind of Memorial Day the celebration is kind of Independence Day celebrating their future independence so it's it's one week after Memorial Day for people in the US okay cool. what about your uh, what about your other stuff your uh, acting, acting. Can, yeah can anybody auditioning auditioning um well it's a new world stuff. they're 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 hiring again i hear so you know oh yeah it's <laughs> funny have you experienced it's it started like with a boom like a, yeah like it crazy. started like auditions 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 yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but at least at least one good thing you don't have to do a self-tape now or you can ask for the option and I already did it twice you can ask for a zoom audition Ah, Which interesting. I so much more prefer to these self tapes right? to actually meet the people. Me too. Yeah. Like I think, I think the most uncomfortable thing in the life of an actor is to have to do a slate. So it's called a slate for self tape. A self tape is your audition, your general audition, and part of now. this, part of the self tape, yes, is to make a scene, the scene you're going to audition with, and then to make the slate. And the slate is like. Hi, I'm Fanny Pierre. I'm five six. I'm represented by blah blah blah, and you're just like naming all these things. Uh, like it, it, you look stupid. You're just standing like you're in at school, and you have to just do something. It, it's I don't know what to do. Yeah. In Europe, they do it much better. I think they call it more of a I presentation. Call Sorry, they call it ident there. Or uh, they, they call it a, a presentation video and they usually ask you a question to answer, which is way more interesting than listing facts about yourself, which is yeah. the way in America. I mean, the whole thing so, is awkward, but it, yeah, at least these Zoom things, you, you see the other person, they give you, they gave me a note, which is amazing. They direct you because uh, when you do a self-tape, you don't know exactly what they want, but they you tell just do you, your oh, thing. yeah, actually, yeah. let's try it this way. We actually meant it for a bit. So I, I like, I love it. I love so it too. Thing. All right, last thing. Since we're already talking about pop culture, I always like to ask about like what a, what is outside of outside of animal rights, outside of where you know vegans are humans to animal rights activists are humans to what kind of pop culture do you consume? Is it a, are you a Star Trek? Maybe a Stargate guy? I don't know. Is uh do you do you do you uh what what else do you nerd out about besides Nard? What do you nerd out besides Nard? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, movies. I mean, not any certain genre movies, good movies, um, music. I'm a musician myself. Another project of mine, you know, get my music out there. Try Been in bands, try to get a band in many places, trying now in L.A. also. Um, yoga. Uh, okay. what yoga and volunteering. I mean, I know it belongs to animals. I go once oh, a yeah, week. Oh, yeah, you do shelters. Yeah, I go once a week to an animal shelter, Annenberg Pet Space, which is a beautiful... It's a rescue, basically. It, it pulls out animals out of the LA Animal Services, but then it gives them each cat or dog has their own room. They, it's not like a typical rescue. Beautiful place. I volunteer there. I'm a cat socializer, so I hang out with the cats. And I socializer. Uh, yeah, I help them. You know, if they're like 
little kittens they're afraid of human i make them get used to human basically That's the, nice. you know, the goal is to get them adopted and um yeah what else do i do that's, that's fantastic it. boring well, life it looks like, you, know? you look like a, you look like a really big reader it turns out you look like you, you... <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I read all these books yeah, <laughs> yeah i love reading love that's it. my main passion thank yeah. you for thank you everybody in the chat oh, your thank questions you, thank were you for everybody. so yeah, interesting thanks. your inputs thank you so much for the chat it was super nice to yeah, have thank you. you thank you for joining you. us and yeah, thank you for taking the time, Alem. I know that you usually do the um, the rescue on Sundays, so thank you for yeah, taking the time. Yeah, I'm gonna go now after here. this. Awesome. awesome. Well, we want to want to hold you from it. Thank you so much. I appreciate thank you, you guys. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that's it. We're gonna play the we're gonna play the new theme song again. Yes. All right. Bye, bye everybody. Bye bye, bye. bye everybody. That's my favorite part right there. It's like Video to Sky. Thank you for making the video. I try. I have my moments. Green corny in the comments. Green hearts in the comments. You. I like it. it's kind of like a. I asked her to do a ukulele vibe. This is Kirsten Maryland. Maryland. Thank you, Kirsten. All right, Thank everybody. You. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and thanks, everyone. Please don't forget to follow Fanny and follow Nard. And if you are on Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, please follow us on YouTube and subscribe to Vegan, of course. Thanks, everybody. Bisous, bisous. Bisous, bisous. <laughs> Bye. Bye.